0: What's up, everybody, and welcome in to the Under the Hood podcast. I'm Jonathan Hood. Always on Saturday, reaching out to you with our Saturday morning podcast. 6.30 a.m. Central Time as like get ready to do the college football show. Chicago's College Tailgate every Saturday with Chris Black and Adam Abdallah, my little brothers. And I uh, always like to check in with you. Hope that you had a great week. I know I had a great week on Cap'n J. Hood. Have you, have you heard the show, Cap'n J. Hood? Wherever you're listening to this from, check out Cap and J-Hood mornings between 7 and 10 a.m. Central Time on ESPN 1000. You can download it on the ESPN Chicago app. Wherever you download your podcast, look for Cap, K-A-P, and J-Hood morning show. We're having a fun time uh, on the show. We've had some tremendous conversations about everything Chicago sports and everything else in between. It was crazy. And by the way, before I even go into this, this music, um, Mother's Finest. Fire Yeah This is from the show Lovecraft Country That's on HBO It is a uh, Jordan Peele Directed and produced show Jordan Peele from Key and Peele If you haven't seen this on HBO, check it out Lovecraft Country Really interesting out of this world show. Boy, show really shows his imagination. Uh, the people that write that show. So, I heard Mother's Finest fire. And I was like, yeah, I might as well make this the open for um, our show this morning. Here on the Under the Hood podcast. Boy, the Cubs and Sox got snuffed out quickly, right? Just like that. Almost 24 hours apart. Right, The Sox on Thursday and the Cubs on Friday. I really have never seen a Cubs team struggle a good Cubs team. I've seen Cubs teams struggle. I've never seen a, what I would consider a good Cubs team from a, a personnel standpoint struggle for three-plus years to hit a baseball. The 16 team was really good, obviously winning the World Series, but I, I don't know what happened to this team. 18, 19, 20 in particular, the offense had just gone in the shitter. I, I've never seen anything like it. It's unbelievable, and so... Now it's going to be this, the dismantling of this team because I can't see how the core of this team can all come back, even though Theo Epstein's contract's up in 2021. They cannot hit the baseball. Baez, Rizzo, Bryant, these guys are terrible. Terrible. And amongst others on this baseball team. And Sox, my whole thought with the Sox is, you know, as a White Sox fan, grew up 20 minutes from the ballpark. You know, I, I just look at the White Sox and say, okay, well, the future's bright. I didn't expect the Sox to go to the playoffs, for real. I didn't expect that. Um, But they get out of the playoffs. They won a game, got eliminated by the A's. And I just think that you can upgrade the manager and get your organization set on the right track. Rick Ranerea does not inspire to me. I don't think he's very good. I think he's an A to B manager. And I think B has... uh Done all he could. The A, He got here and took the job as the A manager. And now he got to B, which is the playoffs. And now you can find a C to D to E to F manager. Because Rick is just not that guy. He just is not that guy. And uh, I'm ready for a change. For sure with this White Sox team at the helm. But, you know, what what happened in that last game is that the Sox left a lot of runners on base. And, of course, the whole pitching thing, too. Like, the, the White Sox pitching was just not very good. You know, I mean, uh, Keuchel did not come through in game two for the Sox. And then in game three, they had this litany of relievers and they couldn't get the job done. You know, say they they did it to a point, but it's like you're rolling out all your relievers because you don't have a competent third starter to be able to uh, step in there for three, four, five innings and then let your bullpen take over. So, you know, that's a huge red flag for me. Going into 2021, you have to establish a third and fourth starter for this White Sox team if you're going to be a viable playoff team. You can't go in half-assed with Keuchel and Giolito and then hope for a bullpen to keep it together or Cease or Dunning or Carlos Rodon. So it just didn't work out this year Uh, for the shortened pandemic season. It was a thrill. To see both teams in the playoffs or give some good baseball, first-place baseball for the Cubs winning the division and the Sox get again. They earned that seventh spot, boy. They lost 8 of 10 sliding into that A series, but it didn't work out. How about the Bears? We talked a lot about the Bears on Captain J. Hood this week and uh, Nick Foles being the quarterback for this football team. It's about that money that Foles. It's a good thing. It's a good thing to be able to have a fresh look offensively. It's an offensive league. Right? It's an offensive league, so why half-step on the offense? Trubisky did what he could for the Bears' offense. Now it's time to have a new set of eyes there, and it's time to get more than just 16, 17 points a game and hope for offense. Seeing the last part of that Atlanta game, it looked good. I don't know if that's a guarantee with Foles in there. I think he's an upgrade for Trubisky, but that's not Patrick Mahomes. That's not Lamar Jackson. That's not Tom Brady. That's not even Philip Rivers. It's Nick Nick Foles. So we'll see what happens when they took on Indianapolis on Sunday and then moving forward into the Tampa game on Thursday. We'll see how good this offense is with Foles. Foles is a stopgap and not the long-term answer. Don't forget that. So I'm glad that you're with me. Um, I have a special guest that I want to talk to here that we will uh, get a chance to have a conversation with. Stephen Gaither is part of something very special. HBCU Game Day. See that on YouTube, YouTube youtube.com. Historically, black colleges have been undersold and not valued, I don't think, enough. Because there's been some tremendous athletes over the years that have been from HBCUs. And the thing that resonates with me is that you have Deion Sanders, who is now the new head coach on the football side, obviously, for uh, Jackson State. And I think that that is a tremendous story. We also continue to hear from certain young players in high schools that they are finalizing their schools that they want to go to basketball and football. And on the short list are a few HBCUs. So there's a buzz there for historically black colleges to be able to have quality top tier players coming to their programs. I think it's an interesting story because you always look to the power five, right? I'm a huge college sports fan. I love college baseball, college football, college basketball. Um, But I think it's interesting that HBCUs are starting to get some spotlight here. And, of course, a big spotlight with primetime Deion Sanders taking over a football team at Jackson State. I'm not saying that they're going to go to the national championship anytime soon, but the point is, though, is that there's a name in that conference now. We're going to talk about it because I find that story very interesting. So got a very special guest coming your way right here on the Under the Hood podcast.
1: So you are what you are in this world. It's either one of two things. Either somebody, Ain't nobody. A lot of this is behind the scenes or under the hood. It's time to just look under the hood. No stone should be unturned. I don't even know what that means. Look under. I got an engine underneath my hood. Most important thing in business is honesty, integrity, hard work, family. Never forgetting where we came from. Hey, pop the hood. Pop the hood. Pop the hood the hood podcast with Jonathan Hood.
0: As I mentioned, a very special guest with us here on the Under the Hood podcast with me, Jonathan Hood hbcugameday.com As we have our conversation with Stephen Gaither, we want you to go to that website, HBCUGameDay.com. Also, go to the YouTube page, YouTube.com. Look for HBCU Game Day. An interesting, um, a lot of interesting circumstances and stories coming out of HBCU, as always. Stephen Gaither is with us, the founder of HBCU Game Day. The veteran journalist and blogger is with us here on ESPN 1000. Steve Jonathan Hood, thanks so much for your time. I appreciate you for uh, allowing me under the hood, Johnson. Oh, absolutely, man. Uh, first, first and foremost, how's life for you right now? How's life for you in general? <laughs> uh, hectic. Um, you know, when uh, when all this went down, and you know, the
1: HBCUs were some of the first to announce that they weren't going to play football this fall. Um, I wondered how life would be, and uh, little did I know that I would have a friend in Deion Sanders that would be coming in and uh, just redirecting <laughs> the entire world. So it, it, it's been a blessing, man. It's been busy. And honestly, uh, you know, even to go back to the end of basketball season when things got cut short and we were at the basketball tournament, um, you know, we were kind of wondering how things would go. But, you know, we're actually having our best year ever uh, across all platforms and just in
0: general. So I can't I can't I can't complain. Steve, I want to ask you about Deion Sanders when he uh, when it was it was always rumored. But then it was official that he became the head football coach at Jackson State. What was your initial reaction when you heard the news?
1: Um, I, it was, uh, it was, I, there was definitely some, there was definitely some, is this real? Um, you know, there was, I mean, you know, just being on the, the, the reporting side of it, there was so, it was so drawn out. Um, I mean, at, the, the rumors started circling probably three weeks before he was actually introduced. Um, you know, uh, it, it, so it was, it was, it was a lot, you know, um, you know, you just never know how these things are going. sometimes there, you know, there's, but where there was smoke, there was definitely fire this time, and so uh, yeah, I mean, I, we just haven't ever seen anything like it—not in the eight years that I've really been covering HBCUs, and and I don't even think probably back even before that. I mean, Deion Sanders—it's not just in—you know—we've had pro guys that have come and coached at, at uh, HBCUs before, plenty of them, even some guys now but never a Deion standard. I mean, there's only really one Deion standard anywhere. And right. for an HBCU
0: to get it, man, I mean, it just shows you that 2020 is the year that you could not predict anywhere. I learned from your site. It wasn't even ESPN.com. I learned from your site that Deion's first recruit is an SEC transfer. And so how important is it for Deion or how important is it for Deion uh, as a Football coach to be able to land someone of that significance. How important is that for the HBCU landscape?
1: Uh, I think it's very significant. You know, HBCUs have always been a haven for guys who uh, maybe at that FBS uh, or or other level or PWI level uh, maybe came in and either uh, because of their performance on the field or performance off the field had to uh, you know come to uh, come to an HBCU as a second resort. Uh, this young man, as well, he—I mean—he came out of school and went to an school, Mississippi State, but uh, he's not played a game for them this year, and he opted out. And then a week later, he—he's you know committing to Deion uh, two days afterwards. So um, I think that shows the power of what his brand is and what his brand means. Uh, even again with these players now, who you know a lot of them. They were just being born when he was kind of at the end of his career, but they still know him. They still know who he is. I I saw a a story in the Washington Post where it was talking about, you know, guys who was a kid who was born in 1998, but he he knew who Deion Sanders was and had an idea of how big he was. And so I think he transcends a lot of that, and I think it's very important for him to start getting those guys, those SEC-caliber guys first, and then maybe there's a shot, you know, a year or two down the line if he has some success to where – he could start plucking, you know, maybe plucking some three or four, you know, some four-star guys at that FBS level, which would be huge.
0: Okay, so we need to dig in on that because people are listening to the show and they're saying, well, why would um, an athlete... That could be going to a power five conference. Why would they consider an HBCU? So we got to dig into that a little bit, Steve. So you have a couple options. You believe that an athlete, a student athlete would look at an HBCU based on uh, familiarity uh, faces that they know the opportunity versus the athletics. How do you think an athlete weighs that?
1: Uh, I think it comes down to a number of factors, and I think we can't ignore what 's going on uh in the country and in the world, not even only at this particular time, and folks won't focus it on this year, but you know you think about uh the average seventeen year old right so they were born in two thousand and three, so you know right around the time that they were you know uh, in elementary school kind of coming into a sense of who they are you got trayvon martin you got that and that that such I don't think anybody in black America was untouched by that. And they saw a young man that looked like them and what happened with him. And then you have Michael Brown and then you have this and that and all the names that we know and, and everything that's been going on. And I think these young people have not been shielded from some of the things that folks might've been shielded from as far as racism in this country, uh, you know, 30, 20, even 15, 16 years ago when I was coming out of high school, they can't be shielded by that anymore. They're not shielded by that anymore, um, and so they see the racism and, and and things that go on. They see the hypocrisy of some of these coaches, um, as far as the people that who they're aligned with, and they see how um, you know as athletes um, they are. They understand. I think now more than ever that as athletes, especially powerful athletes and athletes who have who have brand awareness and things like that, they uh, they are building. They are helping build. Uh, these empires for these folks, and they're not getting a lot out of it. So I think when you combine all of those together, it's like a big gumbo um, to where I think that guys that I – I, and football, since HBCUs aren't on the FBS level at this point, I don't think you're going to – I don't think you're going to get a guy who is going to be a five-star, but I think you'll definitely see some – the top-tier top guys, and let's be honest, HBCUs don't have money to pay them like a lot of the Power Five school guard. We're going to be one hundred. So yeah. I think a guy like that who's probably already going to be able to probably go and get paid as a football player is not – it's, it's going to be harder to get those. But I think a guy that second-tier level where you often find a lot of NFL guys and NFL stars, a three- to four-star guy, I think they may say, hey, you know what, yeah, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a three-borderline, four-star guy this year, but you know what, with FCC the they're going to get another guy like me in another year. Will I mean as much here? And then what will my experience be? And I think when they weigh all of those things together, I think you're starting to see young folks uh, at least give more attention and more of an eye to it for sure.
0: Yeah, this shine is completely overdue, I think, for HBCUs, for the Miac and for the SWAC in particular. I just so I've always thought this, Steve, I always thought, you know, it really takes one. Now, you've got the coaches in place. Everyone knows who Deion Sanders is, one of Mm -hmm. the best two way athletes that we've ever seen, especially for my generation. Seeing this guy play baseball and playing football was like, wow, imagine in the Twitter era. Someone that's a two-way player. Bo Jackson, the same thing. Imagine if how, how Twitter would blow up, how social media would blow up with two, uh, a two-way athlete. But, uh, you know, when I look at a Mikey Williams transferring to uh, North Carolina High School and how— Right down the road five, from me. Yeah, so I five HBCUs is on his top ten list. Talk about that because Mikey Williams, a significant name. Oh, yeah, yeah. Mikey Williams, man. He is—and uh, there's just is so many stories this year that it almost
1: seems like a year ago when he did it. But, yeah, he, he really started to fire this year um you know there's because as, as so i started hbc game day eight years ago and as long as i've been doing this and i'm sure even longer before that there's always been that talk of what if our top guys if the top guys the top talent these one and done guys would just come to HBCUs and how much a game cha- game changer will be like if i if i had a, a dime for every time i did that i probably wouldn't be talking to you i'd probably be on an island somewhere on my own <laughs> island it comes up that much yeah. all the time but um it has it hadn't happened so, Mikey Williams was a top three, uh, top three player in the 2023 class. Uh, he tweeted that going to an HBCU wouldn't be so bad, and you know, obviously, it, it just it just sent shockwaves through. Um, and then we went to find out that his mother actually is a uh, HBCU graduate. She went to Hampton University, um, and so. Um, he's got that, and, and he understands that history and things like that. And I I even understand he's been he was here in North Carolina over the summer with some family and went and visited different uh, saw some saw a couple HBCUs and and really under, understands I think he understands legacy um, because of his background that his parents gave him. Now look, I mean, and and that's not necessarily unique because Zion Williamson, his parents met at Livingstone College, a Division II HBCU. Uh, you know, in Salisbury, North Carolina. Um, every year, uh, Harry Giles, his, uh, his, his dad played at Winston-Salem State University, my alma mater. Um, every year, there's guys in the NFL and NBA drafts that their parents went to HBCUs, but Mikey, I think, gets it. Uh, not to say those other guys didn't, but he gets it. He gets the power that he has, and potentially has. I mean, the kid has 2 million Instagram followers. Wow. 2 million Instagram followers. So, when you tell a guy like that, who at 15, 16 years old has that kind of a following already that, oh, well, you have to go to this school or nobody's going to watch you. He's not dumb. He knows that as long as he continues to be who he is, it really doesn't matter where he goes to play basketball, you know, on a Division One level. He's still going to be able to – nobody is going to stop seeing him because he went to – Uh, North Carolina Central, because he went to Hampton or he went to Tennessee State. Uh, Three of those are in his top ten, and five of them are eight, five of his top ten are HBCUs. So he knows that as long as he performs what he is, he owns his image. He has ownership of his image, ownership of his name and his brand already at such an early age that Michael Jordan didn't have when he was at Laney High School. Um, Even LeBron James was starting to get it a little bit when he was in high school in Ohio, but he i think they just get it in quantitative now and they understand it and um you know he said he was serious about it he's got half of his list as hbcus and it'll be very interesting and then you go a month later and you get mccord maker to go to howard and uh that was powerful as well so all of these things and dominoes are falling and and there's a lot of excitement around hbcus i'm just glad you know we got in on the ground level and i've been doing this for years and have you know we were here before before that and we'll be here after that but it is great to see the attention to the HBCUs.
0: we actually go to the youtube page hbcu game day and also go to the website hbcugameday.com stephen gaither uh with me jonathan hood on under the hood on espn 1000 and the espn chicago app so what if steve you know i mean mikey williams is a big name but what if right what if bronny james what if I, he's talked about it. We've heard the net, we've heard it right a little bit. Right. right. What right. if? I mean, it would just
1: it would it would be huge. Uh, yeah. It would be huge because you know at that time. I mean, is LeBron still going to be in the league and he's still going to be LeBron and it doesn't matter. But hey, he might be. He might just say, hey, you know what? I'm going to retire and watch my guy play. And so if you know, and Bronny, uh, I think is in the same class as Bronny's in the same class as Mikey. Uh, I don't know that he's he's not as highly regarded as him, but just being who he is and the brand that he is um, is a game change. Would be a game changer for uh, HBCUs and that awareness. And I think you would see um, whoever he's with probably get a better deal from whoever they're uh, if whoever they if they're not a Nike school, they would be a Nike school like tomorrow because Deion Sanders is changing Jackson State to Under Armour. Uh, if they're not a Nike school, they would be a Nike become a Nike school. And if they were a Nike school, they would get their de- endorsement deal would probably be quite more visible uh just because uh you know because of the of the brand awareness that would come along with that. So yeah, that was another big story early this year. Things like forever ago now where uh North Carolina Central uh offered him and then North Carolina A&T as well and you know I talked to the coaches there and they're like, you know, we may not get these guys, even if we don't get these guys, the fact that we are in the conversation with these guys and recruit them really hard is a huge plus for us because their teammates who may not, who aren't them, will give us the looks. And so it's, uh, I mean, it's anytime they land any of those guys, I think it's going to be very interesting this year with McCormaker at Howard. Howard has not been a traditional powerhouse even within their conference in the NEAC. They haven't won it in 27 years. But what they do have is they have visibility of being in Washington, D.C. They have a coach in Kenneth Blakeney who uh, played basketball for Coach K. Uh, down in uh, in Durham uh, and won two titles at, with Grant Hill and those, Grant Hill and Christian Leighton and those guys and so um, I think he's uniquely positioned there to get some talent. They've been in some top ten lists of some other guys as well. They haven't gotten them, but um, you know them and you know North Carolina Central, who's, who's uh, turned into a powerhouse since uh, joining the MEAC a couple of years ago. Ten, uh, ten, Texas Southern, Tennessee State, those schools as well. So um, I think it's definitely uh, it would definitely be. A potential game changer, and it's just adding to the momentum that's already going on, and the and the, the force that's that's pulling propelling
0: HBCUs. You wrote just recently about uh, as we gotta talk about this as well because this is always huge when it comes to college athletics about the athletics apparel, Nike, Adidas being involved with some of these HBCU and uh, schools. Talk a little bit uh, to us about uh, some of the stories you heard. I know that you wrote about uh, Florida A and M uh, approving their deal. What's going on with some of these deals from Nike to Adidas and others when it comes to HBCUs over the next few years? So uh,
1: until until twenty fifteen until twenty sixteen, uh, pretty much all HBCUs, other than I think maybe uh, maybe Tennessee State and a few others, wore Russell Athletic, mm-hmm. um, and you know. And some people were okay with it. Some people hated them. Uh, and then the MEAC, uh, when their deal ended, they went to a uh, team deal. They went to, uh, they opened it up and let teams do what they wanted to do. So Hampton and Howard uh, both went with Under Armour. Uh, Morgan State went with Adidas. And everyone else went with a, a group deal with Nike. But that group deal wasn't necessarily directing with Nike. Even though they're Nike affiliated the schools, they are through a company that's called BSN. Um, and so it's a third-party type deal. It's, I mean, they're Nike schools, but they're not getting – North Carolina Central is not getting UNC money. They're not even getting UNC Charlotte money. They're not even probably getting maybe UNCG money, UNC Greensboro money, yeah. um, if, if you follow what I'm saying. So um, those have been the deals that they've been getting. Um, and then uh, the, uh, the next year, uh, Russell got out of their sne- the apparel game and so the other three HBCU conferences, the SWAC, the CIAA, and the S-I-E-C, um, had to go figure out what they were going to do. The two Division II conferences, uh, CIAA is all Under Armour. Uh, the SIC, Morehouse, Tuskegee, all those guys, they are all Nike. And then uh, the SWAC, uh, now with gating Florida A&M, and now with that gating Florida A&M, when they start playing football there next year, six of the – uh, Twelve teams because uh, Bethune-Cookman is coming as well. Will be Adidas. So um, you know HBCUs now that they have gotten away from that that Russell deal, they've uh, given themselves a little bit more options. Just trying to look a little bit more like the rest of college football. Uh, if that makes sense. The uh, you know there weren't a lot of other schools really that were wearing Russell. Um, so they've get, they've gotten that and trying to increase some brand awareness. But they're still their deals are still peanut you know compared to the bigger schools that are even in their same. Uh, university system. So, uh, for them, they got to get some players who can get some name recognition and brand recognition and can pump the, va- the value of that. So, the economy of college sports, um, has not been kind to HBCUs at all. Um, and so, uh, they're hoping, and when I have that, I include television as well because television, um, the game, you know, there's a couple, there's only a handful of games that are on. Uh, they are, Few and far between, and so their their contracts aren't uh, as great as some other conferences and leagues, and so uh, that's an issue as well, which turns into th- funding and dollars. So um, it's a lot. It's a lot going on. A lot has been in transition over the last five years or so, um, and so we'll see how things go. Um, if HBCUs continue to get momentum, um, you know, then it'll be great. I mean, Jackson State. You look at them, uh, and again, they are Nike right now. They are Nike right now, but they're going to be going to Under Armour. Uh, they led the FBS in attendance uh, last year, and, and they were a four and sixteen. So they weren't even a good team, but they were still able to lead the entire uh, Division One FBS in attendance. So now that they've got Deion Sanders or Coach Prime, as he is as he has labeled himself there, <laughs> um, how how much do you think they're going to do? Uh, so it's it's uh, it's brand it's brand value that they're adding.
0: So. I'm glad you brought the TV piece because Sean Davis, my producer, and I have talked about this for a while now. I have just been really um, disappointed and unhappy that you know whether it's the C.I.A.A. and MiAC, whether it's the SEAC, whether it's um, the SWAC, the TV digital network, and and the revenue for revenue generating sports. And we know right. what they are: the basketball and football. There's no excuse. I mean, I understand that it comes down to money, but there are platforms that you have on your cable system where you are in the Carolinas and where I am in Chicago, anywhere else, or digital prog- uh, uh, spots, you know, Roland Martin Unfiltered, a few other places, where you could be able to have these these games. It makes no sense for me to have to wait until midnight on a tape delay to watch a, a SWAT game on ESPN. Right. Seriously, right. Like, that, like this is... Steve, this has been a problem for me for a long time because here's the thing. Like, it's not like, well, if we put these, uh, these, these games on at midnight, then they are, they're less than. Okay. That's not true. They're not less than because there's scouts, there's NFL scouts at those games too. So right. I, I'm just I'm just wondering. Do you believe, especially with with Dion in this spot, do you foresee over the next say four or five years that someone will come to the forefront where we can see these games live? I have to be in your area to see these games regionally. I can't, but I don't have them here. Do you foresee a digital uh, platform or TV platform picking up some of these games on a regular basis?
1: Well, you know the uh, the ESPN the ESPN the Miac has all of their games. I think on ESPN three, I believe, um, uh, or ESPN plus. I forget which platform it is now. They have all of their games on there, uh, streamed digitally. But as far as television, yeah, you're. Um, it's. I mean, they're. they're it's. It's really um, something that uh, they're trying to get. But it, it's tough. You're competing still against. F, you know, they're still. It's still at its at its top level. F, FCS football and trying to compete against SBS, SBS uh, conferences as well. So there's, there's a little bit that football is, is, diff- is difficult, but the basketball, um, you know, they, are, they, they do maybe four games a year, and they only go to a couple of places and things like that. And I think basketball um, definitely is going to be a place where you're probably going to see more of those um, five-star type guys, five-star type guys or four-star guys coming and getting a chance to play and make some noise. So I think basketball could be easier. Uh, the interest of Deion Sanders, I think, will make some things happen. If Jackson State happens to be good and, have, and has a good team, um, then I think that um, that will open it up. I mean, uh, the, the, the traffic that we've seen just off Deion Sanders' name are, itself has been pretty amazing. Uh, he's a name that transcends, uh, you know, he's a name that transcends HBCU or FCS or any of those things. He's Deion Sanders, and when you come in. You know, he still—he may not be playing anymore, but he still has that flair, that salesmanship, all that stuff that made him—you know—at one time sell more stuff than Jordan, even though that was when Jordan was, you know, retired. But right, right. still, uh, you know, he—he—he uh, he, uh, he still has all of that. He's still exhibiting it all the time if you follow him on his social media things like that. And so, I think—I um, think that he can open up some doors there. I mean, you know, when he got hired, or before he got hired, they were talking about it. Uh, one day we were reporting about it, and then the next day was on the undisputed, uh, the undisputed platform. And then uh, when he got hired, the next day he was on Good Morning America. How many football coaches, period, uh, in America, can get hired one day and the next day be on Good Morning America? I mean, I don't even think Nick Saban's been able to do that. No. So that just speaks to that just speaks to him and his brand. And so I think that the opportunity for him and his brand to uplift Jackson State. Uplift the swag, and then um, I think the, the conferences themselves just have to have to capitalize off of it uh, and make the most out of the and turn it into a movement and not a moment. And uh, it, but it's definitely going to be, um, you know, Dwayne Wade, uh, famous Chicago, and got, got in a little heat with the HBCU world, you know, earlier this year when he said it was on a lot of people, including television networks, to pull up HBCUs from the dirt because he was like they were in the dirt. That, that that language didn't make a lot of people happy, but um, but I get what he was saying. As far as um, you know, a lot of this stuff is hidden. A lot of HBCUs are hidden. The, the, the things that go on in the HBCU world are hidden from the mainstream, uh, and that has all. That's I mean, that's why you know HBCU Game Day exists uh, overall, and that's why um, you know we've been able to be successful um, because we you know we've definitely tried to to, to shine a light on, on where we are, but. Definitely, I think um, there are some things that the power structure of college athletics has to bend uh, if, if HBCU is going to be okay because if you look at the reality, we talked a lot about the SWAC, but the, the other Division One HBCU conference the MEAC is in trouble, uh, right? Their, their membership is uh, has been declining. They've lost three schools this year, have decided they're going to switch conferences, um, and they are down to, I believe, six. They will be down to six football-playing institutions um, come this time next year, um, basketball a little bit more, but, you know, that just talks about how difficult it is, um, to, for HBCUs to, uh, to financially make Division I sports work, uh, just because of the, the, because of the space in between the schools. Um, the Division One HBCUs on the East Coast are few or far between. You know, we talked about the CIAA. Some of the, you know, generally they've been able to pick up schools who are coming from there in the Division Two ranks. But it's at a point now where jumping from Division two to Division one is very expensive. Uh, my alma mater tried to do it before it even got this, this expensive, and they weren't able to do it. Um, and so it's going to be uh, the, the survival of the MIAC is in question for a lot of people. Um, and so we'll see over the next couple of years how that plays out. But a lot of that would probably not be as urgent as it is if there had been more equitable uh, sharing as far as money, uh, from television contracts so you
0: know there, there's a lot there Steve lastly and I appreciate your time either from your experience or what you've heard what is an underrated HBCU campus life experience which school
1: oh man I mean I think I think in their own way all of them are um Come on. I know can't do that, never... you can't do that <laughs>
0: You know, yeah, the, okay, you, know, so, people, you know there's a whole bunch of people listening, right? They went to HBCUs and <laughs> say, pick me as an Alcorn State person, as a Shaw University person. Like, pick me, pick me. So, so you gotta you gotta choose one.
1: Well they they say the shed over there at Tuskegee is where it's at. I've seen a lot of videos. My partner Tali has been there uh, several <laughs> times where they play the ball and parlay, uh, the band and underneath the shed, and they just go crazy before the game and they set the tone for the game. So that's a great experience. I think a lot of the division II HBCUs are great my alma mater and, and i'll be i'll be a little bit selfish here. my alma mater winston Stanley state university uh the defending CIAA basketball champions home of big house games uh earl to Pearl Monroe, the game center the ce game center we got the uh we got the livers got the livers uh the liveest gym in america it's uh it seats about 20 about hundred people sometimes we smash maybe close to three thousand in there mm-hmm. and uh man if you don't get there early you're not going to get in and it's 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 hell to pay it's hell to pay so i gotta say i gotta shout out uh winston taylor state university you know we're right down the road from north carolina a&t which is the largest hbcu in america and they're doing great things there so sometimes we kind of get we kind of get the look the, the the back end shoulder a little bit but it's, uh, it's a lot of great things going on there but really
0: all the hbcu you really can't go wrong Go to the website hbcugameday.com or if you're a YouTube watcher, check out youtube.com. So many great features and conversations from alum from HBCUs on there as, all, as well as the updated information. Steven, I'm, I'm glad we had this conversation. I just want to uh, shine a spotlight on this because with the Deion Sanders news and then just some of those rumors around where some student athletes could be coming to HBCU, it's definitely a story right. we're talking about.
1: No doubt. I appreciate
0: you guys uh, for giving me the time. And Anytime you need me, just let me know. I appreciate you, man. Thank you so much. Yes, sir. It's uh, Stephen Gaither, the founder of HBCU Game Day, with me, Jonathan Hood, right here on the Under the Hood podcast. Yeah, great conversation with Steve there. And you could also catch No Huddle, And HBCU 101, that is on the Aspire television channel. It's 482 on my Comcast cable. But if you have Aspire, look for No Huddle. Look for HBCU. They have those shows weekly on Aspire. Thanks so much as always for listening to the Under the Hood podcast. We'll talk to you next time. Another Saturday morning I'll spend with you right here on the Under the Hood podcast.